Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile. is being recorded. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Property World. I'm Will Mallard and I'm delighted to be joined by Alicia Barlow. Great to have you on the show, Alicia. Hi, Will. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Alicia, we'll get you to introduce yourself a little bit more fully, but uh, Alicia is one of the co-hosts of Partners in Property Manchester. Uh, You can check them out at the Partners in Property community page on on Facebook. and, and also is becoming increasingly known for uh, the idea of asset-backed business acquisitions. So, um, uh, Alicia, uh, you might just give the, um, the listeners a, a little bit of a flavour of what you're, uh, you're up to at the moment, and then we'll, we'll go back into your, your, your background and uh, all the way back to childhood. Yeah, absolutely, Will. So right now, I'd say maybe 70% of of my focus is looking for asset-backed businesses, which effectively means a company or a business with a freehold property that it operates from. So it's the same as residential property. It's commercial property with a business inside. And we're looking to acquire both rather than just the commercial asset. Um, so that yeah, that's most of the focus for me at the moment, as well as um, as usual being a mum. So <laughs> yeah, lots of good stuff happening. Oh, f- fantastic! So um, we, we're going to, or before we before we get too far into it, if someone wanted to get hold of you, how would they they do so? Uh, best place is LinkedIn. So it's Alicia Barlow on LinkedIn, or you can catch us on the website or the links to our social media on there. And that's www.rosealexanderproperty.com. Fantastic. So uh, age four, uh, what was little Alicia up to? Well, it's funny, actually. So it's something I don't publicly talk about much, uh, but if you're close to me, you do know. Um, so my um, my dad, as he is now, uh, isn't my biological donor, let's say. Um, so at age four, I had just been adopted by him um, and re-adopted, which is a bit of a strange one. And I don't fully understand the law around this, but by my mum as well. Um, so that the pair of them could adopt me together and change my name and bring me into the family. So that's what happened. Um, And he purchased me for the great price of £10,000 from my biological donor. So at age four, that was where it started, (laughs) Um, which is a little bit colourful, really, isn't it, as a starter? But yeah, that, that was where I was at age four and then went into primary school at that age. So, yeah. 
and where, 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 where were you living and uh, were there any uh, other siblings at that stage? No, just me and my mum at the time. Um, so my, the, the biological donor had disappeared when I was around 18 months old um, and but was obviously in the background and just causing my mum a bit of a nuisance. <laughs> um, and didn't really want to kind of in, get involved or, or be involved in, in any aspect of my life. So no, at that point, it was just me and my mum. And then she met my dad, um, who is my dad, because he raised me and he cared for me and he supported me throughout my life and still does. Um, and and that was it. We, we kind of started our new family unit from there and siblings came afterwards. So my first sibling, my sister came along when I was six. And my second, my brother, came along when I was eight. Very good. So so two girls and a boy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and and what, what was life uh, like growing up uh, through primary school? I, it, I was always a, quite a competitive child. Um, and I don't really know where that comes from, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I do have in our family history, like on my mum's side, particularly that I know of, uh, we had some very big entrepreneurial spirits, um, including quite famous uncles who were the equivalent, the UK equivalent of the WWE wrestlers. Um, so they were televised on ITV or whatever the channel was back then when people did have tellies and did have a channel to watch, uh, black and white and then in colour. Um, so they were quite famous at the time, especially sort of around, around the UK uh, and in America. Uh, and then I had um, a great aunt who was the first female fashion designer to have a, a catwalk in New York. So I've got kind of all these um, things in the background that I always look to and think maybe that's where it comes from. But um, so, no, I'm not 100 percent sure, to be honest. So WrestleMania or, or the catwalk, <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they're sort of quite, quite different influences in the same same family. Yeah, and obviously I'm a Gemini, so two sides of the same coin. <laughs> so that makes a lot of sense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Very good. And where uh, where did you grow up? So I grew up in Bolton, where I live now, so just outside of Manchester. I've always been a Bolton girl. I'm definitely a home bird. Um, I really do enjoy to travel, but for some reason, I just love coming back to this place. It's just, it's just for me, it's magic. And, you know, I find a lot of people these days that I speak to, um, you know, know where Bolton is. You know, you point on a map, they know exactly where it is. They've heard of it. They've been to it. There's someone famous that they know from Bolton. It almost feels like it's um, it's like a little uh, a gem in the universe. So, yeah, that's where that's where I grew up and still so am. So it's home home. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And and um, what, what was primary school like? going off to school. It was great. It actually, I had a really nice group of friends. We had a lovely upbringing in school. Um, and I was always, as I said, going back to where I was before I went off on a tangent, uh, quite competitive. So I was always the girl who was in all of the running races, doing any sort of sport that came along, football, rugby, cricket, um, tennis, rounders, um, beating all the records, creating records. <laughs> School records that I, I know are still there, um, because some of my sons. Yeah, but, but because you've gone back and checked uh, each year. <laughs> well, no, not, not that I'm not that big on them, um, but I do get told because some of my sons' friends 
are at that school now and are always saying, oh, your name always crops up on the on the register when it comes to, you know, when they do a sports day. Yes, <laughs> My yes. name's there with the record. So it's going back quite a few years now. No one, no one's broken it just yet. Um, so that was really primary school was very, you know, I was academic, but it wasn't really my first love. Sport was always my first love um, and the academics always came second. But I think I had a, a big problem, which was um, I was naturally gifted academically. Um, and that's not blowing my own trumpet. I just knew that I didn't really need to make a lot of effort in order to get the good grades. Um, so I kind of coasted through primary school, really. Um, up until about the age of nine, when um, my mum and dad decided they wanted to send me to Bolton School, which is an all-girls sort of a private school, and, and I'd need to pass an exam and an, an interview for that. So I kind of knuckled down in those last two years, in year five and year six, to pass the exam, pass the interview, and, and get into that school. Yeah, which, which I did. So, yeah, it was good. All good. Very good. And, and uh, going off to... a private school uh, was it a bit of a culture change um, and, and did it change how you you looked at the world um I would say because I had quite a few friends from the school that went with me even though the boys were in a separate division you still got to see them at lunch times and you could still socialize outside of school so no I, I don't think so I think for me I always used to feel like um a bit a bit odd in that group uh, because I wasn't like I say I, I didn't really push myself academically I was just naturally good at what I put my hand to so I kind of coasted through secondary school as well and and I was always the girl that was getting all the order marks for either not handing a homework in or just being cheeky or um you know but all the teachers loved me so they used to give me the order mark and then revoke the order mark and I, and I never had a detention and I, mu I must have been due maybe a hundred <laughs> so <laughs> but but no, I never um and I, I never got held to task at secondary school. But I enjoyed it because um I, I felt like I was always good friends with the teachers and always good friends with with the other kids around me. Um and it never really I I never looked you know on being at private school as which now I look back and I think maybe I took it for granted. But I never really looked on it as any different. It was just school. I mean, you're a kid, aren't you still? And school's school. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in terms of uh, what were your your plans and ambitions um, towards the end of school? What, what, what were you thinking about doing? What, what, was there a plan? I'll, I'll be completely honest. No, there wasn't a specific plan. Um, I was just enjoying life. I, I, I knew that I enjoyed um making money that was something that I did enjoy from a young age I, I had an eBay business at 13 that I set up and I was just buying and selling things online and then reselling at a markup um which I did infrequently it wasn't it wasn't really a business as you would say it was just infrequent as and when I, I felt like it um, and I was always the girl at school who if anyone needed an essay writing for English, um, I'd do that and charge £10 for the privilege. <laughs> so <laughs> that was me. So I didn't sell cigarettes or anything like that. I wasn't a naughty girl and I didn't smoke. So I, I but I found a way of um, of helping others uh, and at the same time uh, helping myself. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. Secondary school was good. But no, no major plans as I left school, other than I wanted to create wealth and I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I wanted to understand business more. Um, so my dad 
worked away quite regularly. He was um, a deep sea diver and he left deep sea diving um, in 96 to go on to do uh, gas pipelines and he contracted through British Gas. Now, you know, watching my dad and, you know, he earned a great, a great amount of money, but he never had any time and he was never at home. And, you know, even if he got a weekend at home, some weekends he'd have to work, depending on, you know, where the projects were up to that he was working on. And I looked at him and I thought, it's great, all the money that he's earning, but his pound per hour must be really low. Um, and I wouldn't want to spend all that time away from my family. So I kind of inadvertently learned a lesson from him that I didn't want to build something where I'd constantly have to use my time and swap my time for money. So I went out there looking for something a little bit more passive, um, whether that be businesses um, or property. But the first step for me was I needed to understand how money worked. So um, I was offered a place for economics at university after I did my A-levels, which I didn't take up because I decided I wanted to earn and learn. So I just took a job at a very small accountancy practice um, in Manchester um, because I wanted to kind of be a big fish in a small pond rather than a small fish in a big pond at a top four firm. And I wanted to get more involved in the day-to-day -day running of how that business worked. And luckily for me, being quite ambitious, being quite approachable, I made good friends with the MD and he kind of took me under his wing and by 19, I was part qualified and running sort of a secondary business for him, which was a business club. And basically, we helped the business owners and the clients of the practice grow their businesses. So working on the business rather than in the business. And that was when I was introduced to books like Who Moved My Cheese and Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So I read all those. I remember going on a holiday with my ex-partner at the time and reading these um, on a beach in Cuba <laughs> and being absolutely fascinated by the ideas and thinking, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I needed. So it was almost like that went from, I need to get a good job. I need to understand how to earn money to, right, I need to go and buy some businesses or I need to buy some assets that are going to produce an income. And that was at say the age of 20 that, that I, took, I took that idea on board. And in parallel to working alongside, um, I, I presume, a number of uh, business owners in this business club. Yeah, absolutely. They, there were some incredibly experienced people there who had more than enough time for me because I was a young girl as well, you know, and they were thinking, oh, she's OK to talk to. She's nice to look at. I can have a coffee with her. And, and I used to just sit there like a little sponge and just take in everything that everyone was doing. And on the flip side of that, half of my time was spent auditing these businesses as well. So I took that on board as well in terms of processes, due diligence, what you needed to understand about a business, how you make sure that you value in a business correctly um, in all of the areas of the balance sheet and the profit and loss. So for me, that was also a, a brilliant experience and lesson. So I kind of got two sides of the same coin whilst I was working at the practice, which was amazing, yeah. And were most of these businesses owner-managed operations or, or were they a little larger uh, investor-based? They were a blend, really. So I, I was really lucky that I, they always used to say, and I had a few people in the practice used to say, she always gets the good clients. Why do we never get the good clients? But I was always the one who got the prestigious clients, the ones where they had a plush office and I wasn't sat in a tin hut outside with rats crawling around my feet in the middle of winter um so um, and they do exist those clients so yeah um I was always the one who got to meet you know the 50 million plus turnover businesses 
um, you know, financial wealth managers who were working in certain sectors, and then that all the way down to your smaller owner-managed businesses. Um, so even though the size, I've, I've always found this, and, and I, I try and convey this quite quite clearly to people and clients that I meet. The numbers are the numbers. It doesn't really matter what industry you're in or how many numbers you've got. The, the processes and, and the process itself of a business is very similar. It doesn't really change, um, but but people make money in different different ways, and and obviously they they retain and and they grow um, that that wealth in different ways. But yeah, that was something I learned quite quite early on and had a, a really decent exposure to. So yeah, I was I was very fortunate for that. And what what were the questions you were asking your, yourself at that stage? To be honest, Will, I mean, at that time it was like, how do I get on this ladder? How do I start this? Because as a young girl, you're looking at this and thinking, gosh, these people, you know, must have really put all the effort in and you know they've, they've re- and, and they had done they had put a lot of effort in but there were some very smart people who would who were building wealth in very smart ways um so I took that on board and, and that was when we jumped into property when I was younger with my my ex-partner so we had a small portfolio that we started to build when I was 20 so that was going back to 2006 um and then um, but when we sadly split up, um, he bought my half from me, which was just before the 2008 crash. So, yeah, it was good timing, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. V- v- very good. And what, what sort of um, what sort of properties was it? It was just it's terrace houses. And we were we investing sort of around the M60 ring road. He was an estate agent. So he had quite quite a good few number of leads. Um, and, and that was how we built it that way um and together it was and we actually put it into an spv at the time and that was my doing um and i remember saying at the time this is something that we need to do now because in 20 years you're going to thank me um obviously i've never got that opportunity but i'm mm-hmm. sure i'm sure he is thanking me now <laughs> if he's still got them <laughs> <laughs> very good very good and um and then so there was a bit of a bit of a crash and you you're um were you working in property still at, at, at that time or what 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 were you up to no so when, when we split up and I, I sold my my part of that I, I kind of went on um to do more consultancy so I left the practice that I was working at when I fully qualified and decided to work for myself in industry so I just basically did contracts for recruitment companies who needed maternity covers or they had a, you know a six-month sabbatical or an FD had left finance manager had left and then after two years of doing that I fell into a really great company completely by accident it was a total fluke this company was scaling uh, they were growing they needed someone to come in and help with the finances uh, one of the owner's wives was doing it on stage she was she wasn't qualified she wasn't a bookkeeper she was just filling in but they were gr- growing that business exponentially and needed someone to come in and kind of build a finance department for them. So when I went for the interview, I was the youngest person who went for interview. And I remember being offered the job and thinking, God, I can't believe I've got this job. And and I found out later on the reason why they wanted to hire me was because I was young and I was ambitious and I came across really well in the interview. And they said you were coming in with a fresh slate, basically. You didn't have any previous experience or massive challenges in a role like this. But that's what we want because we're all learning. So these three owners gave me a chance because they were in exactly the same boat as me. 
So between us, the four of us grew the business from three to 30 million. Um, and that was kind of where it ended for me in terms of a corporate career, because I had my son in 2015 and I was working 60 hour weeks. They were floating the company at this point. And I decided, well, if they're not going to be involved as much, I don't really want to be here. And equally, I want to spend more time with, with Archie because what was the point in having him? Because I basically, we, I had him and three months later, I was back to work and I was expected to work 60 hour, hour weeks. And I, I just couldn't fit, fit it in. So it was sad to go because it was a great company, but family comes first. And that was when I decided, right, I need to replace a very good corporate income and let's get back into property. So I had quite a, quite a number of savings um, and I spoke to my husband and said, look, this is what I want to do. He's still self-employed and um, he works as a project manager for himself. I said, you, you're going to need to hold the fort while I do the investing. <laughs> and that's where we started. So back in 2016, um, we started again and I started to build the portfolio again in residential properties, just typical terraces, not far from where we live. Um, in towns around or small pockets around Bolton because I wanted to be in a commutable distance and and there's some great opportunities in, in this in this area and we basically just targeted the worst house um, on the best street knowing that there would be capital value uplift immediately um, and also we would be able to command a higher caliber of tenant and, and a higher a higher rent uh, which just made the investment even more successful so that's kind of where it started and that's how it's still going. Very good. And and so, um, and, and what uh, what's the geographic sort of uh, extent that you're you've been investing um, in that category? So, from a residential perspective, I wouldn't really invest any more than sort of an hour away from home. So we've got investments um, all over the northwest now. Um, with my business partner but for our particular it's about, it's about five miles given the traffic last time I was involved in <laughs> pretty much yeah that's it I mean I can actually walk to every investment <laughs> you can't sorry, really. sorry I, that, that's not fair <laughs> no it's true though it's very true um, but I like that you know I think we've got some really great um, transport links great employers in the area um, you know we've, we had Amazon move in a few years ago uh, and it's and it's just growing and growing. And I know there's more investment going into the Amazon uh, warehousing down there. So, yeah, it is. It is like I said before at the very beginning. The reason why I never left Bolton is just, I just feel it's a real gem. So I don't know why I'd invest anywhere else. Very good. And you you started um, looking at alternate strategies uh, and expanding into other. I suppose, networks of, of people. Um, do, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the asset-backed business is where we are focusing now. Um, and that's myself and my business partners that are doing that together. And I think between us all, we kind of identified that the typical two, three-bed terrace, it's a great investment and we will continue to, to do more of those, but it's becoming increasingly more difficult to do those successfully. Um, and financially, they just the deals don't stack. Um, and I was wasting quite a lot of time um, at the beginning of last year viewing um, properties, putting offers in and, and getting just nowhere close, especially with the market being so hot. So I kind of decided, right, let's look for stuff that has an asset, but has a business as well, because you've got the 
the added uh, bonus of the income being exponentially better than a buy to let. You know, you look at 10 buy to lets equals one of these business acquisitions that we could do. Um, so I went to that to my business partners with that idea and they were like, fabulous, let's go and have a look. So we went out there and started to look for these things and very quickly found there were quite a few businesses out there who it's weird how how there's so much synergy between that and the and the property side, how we run the business, how we generate leads in the business for the property side. You know, you can find chain breaks like you do in property in business sales. You can find distressed sellers in business sales um, as well as you can in property. It's just the, the added uh, extras. It comes with the property with the business, which is which is awesome. So that was kind of where we focused um, our time. And maybe just uh, explain for people not familiar with the, the concept uh, a little bit more about what you're talking about. Do you mean in terms of how we generate the deals, the leads? Uh, maybe start with that, but um, but the wider concept of asset-based uh, business acquisitions. Oh, sorry, yeah. So, so, yeah, so, I mean, typically it's a process of generating the deals as you view the property you put an offer in and you make it happen or it doesn't happen. And then it goes into a spreadsheet and you follow it up every month until they either sell it to you or they sell it to someone else. And it's very similar. The pipeline that I build for the asset business, asset back businesses is the same. So I went out there and there are two ways to market. You can go direct or you can go through a broker and a, and a business broker is effectively an estate agent for the business world. And there are plenty of, of websites out there you can sign up to. And a little bit like Rightmove, for example, if you go on a website called Businesses for Sale, um, you would put in your criteria, you would set up an alert, and then these uh, opportunities just drop into your inbox based on the criteria that you've given it. And the criteria we were saying was a particular turnover, a particular industry, and it had to come with a freehold property. So I started to get quite a lot of generation of leads for care homes um, and other industries that we were interested in. And these industries for me um, are staple industries. They are what I call can't be affected by the Amazon effect. So you can't put it online. So you can't get care online. You can't get your hair cut online. You can't have a funeral online. You don't want toilet roll online. <laughs> you know, all these things that we as human beings need and there will always be a demand for. Those were kind of the industries that we targeted. So we didn't really have a particular industry that we, we thought would be good other than care, because all between all of us, we, we have got a very caring nature. And like with our tenants, you know, we want to provide them with safe um, housing, you know, of a good standard. Now, really, a care home is just the same thing. It's a HMO for the elderly, which is exactly what it is. So that was kind of what we were looking at from a care perspective. And the great thing about care is that it, it's highly regulated, which we also loved because there's that barrier to entry. You know, there's a there's that you accountable and, and responsible for in the business as well. So that was really what we went for. And, and the asset back business is effectively a business or a tenant, which is operating from a home or a place of work. And we buy the whole thing, including including the asset. So we, we do de-risk the investment by having the, the investment of the asset as well as the business. But effectively, the business is what pays for the asset, if that makes sense. So, it can, so, so the operating business leases the, uh, the, the property. Exactly. And, and, and effectively, not only does it lease it and become the tenant, but the operating business profits can become the angel re, you know, 
refinancing. So effectively, whatever we make over the next five years pays down any investment that we've made uh, on the way in. And, and that's how we, we, model, we model it. Um, so effectively, the plan is after year five, then all of the profits become ours from a cash flow perspective. The tenant pays rent to our other asset company. Um, and also we then retain, retain the asset on the balance sheet in, in the uh, asset company as well. So there's, there's value everywhere. It's just a win-win, a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Very good. And in terms of uh, business networks, and um, I, I see that you've been um, presenting and speaking at events and you, you've got a couple of your own events going. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, do you know what? We talked about this, didn't we, before we went live. I don't like talking about myself. <laughs> and I sometimes feel like when you're asked to speak, I love to speak because I just like to tell people about what I do because I hope that people can gain value from that and implement that themselves. For me, that's my character. As someone who's met you in person, I'm very surprised by that. But <laughs> but it is true. I, I feel sometimes when you stood in front of a room, you're almost putting yourself on a pedestal. And I hate that. I really don't want that to be the case. I would just want people to hear what I'm saying and think, actually, there's a really good golden nugget in there. I'm going to go and do that in my business. Because particularly in, in the networks that I, I, I am part of, you know, there's a, there's a certain caliber of people in that room who are already very, you know, very good property investors or very good business owners. And sometimes, you know, you hear someone doing something and you think, oh, I could I could implement that in my business. And then they can go away and make a difference to what they're doing in, in a positive way. So that that's really why I do the speaking. It's not I hate that thinking oh, I've got to stand in front of the room and, you know, talk to all these people. Because funnily enough, I mean, I host Manchester Pit, but I still get very nervous. So, um, yeah, it's it's funny, really, because no matter how many times you speak, you, you, I always think to myself, why do these people want to hear what I have to say? <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm not I'm not great at that. I'm not I'm not my best advertisement, really. So in terms of um, the, the uh, organisations that you're involved with at the moment and the, the types of things that you're you're covering. So there's Partners in Property Manchester. Do you want to talk about that briefly? Yeah, that's a fantastic community. And I always say it's a safe place. And that's for me where I can be as open as I possibly want to be about my businesses. I think there are certain networks and communities you can go into where you don't feel that you can share everything. Whereas everyone at PIP is just absolutely fantastic, completely transparent, um, you know, really great people uh, with lots of ethics, lots of great values, uh, doing some incredible things in property, even through such a hot market. And even now going through what, what we're seeing with all the, the turmoil in the markets, um, you know, nationwide and, and globally, there are still people who are out there putting a, making a positive change in property. So, yeah, Partners in Property for me is, is the best property community you could be part of, which is why I, I am the host of Manchester. Yeah. Very good. And uh, an interesting mix between yourself and uh, Tony, who's more on the development side. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Tony took the hard route. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky's have met me earlier. <laughs> no, I'm not serious, though. He's done some great stuff in development, stuff I'm, I'm really in awe of. And, you know, I think for me, he uh, he's a great friend as well. I, I do really enjoy, um, I enjoy his company and I enjoy hosting with Tony. He's got a lot of value and he's got such an incredible network uh, in property. Uh, you know, he knows some incredible people doing some incredible things. So, yeah, he's been a, a really good asset to, to the team. Right. And uh, that's typically uh, typically a 
daytime during the week, uh, once a month event. Uh, there's lunch. There's uh, I, I think you I think, think you get a sausage roll or something in the morning as well. Uh, yeah, you certainly do. Yeah, very good. A, a bacon body or something. Uh, so. Uh, Bit of networking, uh, and you're you and Karen Toner uh, are doing a bit of work together as well. Uh, no, it's it's not myself and, and Kieran. Uh, Kieran um, just gave me a bit of a platform to launch launch my workshop. Um, so he was one of the events that I, I spoke at his his networking event, uh, which is also very good. Um, no, we're um, we're just we're just good friends. But he um, he his wife is coming on our workshop, which is exciting. I'm, I'm very excited for her to come along and, and learn a little bit about what we're doing. So our, our first workshop is this Saturday. So it's effectively just a deep dive into what we're doing in, in business acquisitions, how we're doing it, and why we're doing it. It's very you know it's it's a deep dive into the detail on that. But from a from what I feel is is a is a summary of what we're doing because it's very difficult to express and show and learn something that changes for every opportunity. But I'm just hoping that everyone coming along will take something away. And anyone listening, I'm, I'm sorry, it's sold out. So uh, yeah, hard, hard luck, hard luck. I believe it. I was thinking, oh my goodness, maybe, you know, maybe I've got these tickets too cheap. No, <laughs> I'm joking. Um, no, I think what it was, was I think it was just, there's quite a few people approaching me as well about what we do. And rather than me go for, a hundred coffees and, and waste a hundred hours I thought like just get everyone in a room and say look this is what I'm doing this is how I'm doing it and this is how you can do it too uh, but I'm doing that with a friend of mine Julia she's got her own uh, accountancy practice where she supports business owners in growth and acquisition and exit uh, and also uh, the wonderful Adam Lawrence is coming along to help me do um, sort of an economic spin on what industries would be a good investment for 2023 so it's going to be a great day and we've decided because there's so many people on the waiting list we're probably going to launch another workshop in in june so keep your eyes peeled for that yeah well that's fantastic um and, and what does the future hold the future for me will i think is more of the same I, i'm not um, a complicated person i like things that are complex because it interests me but at the same time, I love to do things that are repeatable and are easy to access because you can make such a big difference when you do that to not only your investment portfolio, but to the people that you're buying from. I think it's really important when we go into a deal that everybody around the table gets out of it what they wanted. And, and I always make sure that we communicate that um, from the very beginning and make sure that everyone has a voice in the, in the process whether that's solicitors, vendors, um, agents, or us, or even lenders or, or angel investors. You know, it's, it's a, collaborative, um, a collaborative thing. So it's good to get everyone on the table and say, look, what is it you want to get out of it and how can we make that happen for everybody? So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we'll be doing going forward, more of the same. Yeah. Brilliant. And what would be your, your three tips for uh, someone thinking about expanding their uh, property portfolio over uh, the course of the next next couple of years? I think for me, I think it was a, would be approach with caution. You know, don't invest anything that you can't afford to lose, because even though property is one of the safest investments you can make, it's not a guaranteed game and things do go wrong, uh, especially if you're not surrounded by the right people. And it's always about who you know, not what you know, because the people that you do know, know what you don't know, if, you, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, Mate, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it does if we interpret it. 
<laughs> have to write that one down for you, Will. But yeah, um, it, it for me, it's it's going out there with caution, making sure that you're doing deals that make sense. Marginal deals right now don't make sense unless you've got a huge cash pot and it's sat in a bank account somewhere. It's only insured up to so much per institution and you need to get it in somewhere safe. That would be my my suggestion. So depending on where you are on the scale, um, just just approach with caution. Absolutely. Very good. And just a, a final thing to close off. Your um, your relatively unusual um, uh, in that you you've been involved in a, a number of uh, partnerships and, and different different structures. What why do you think you've um, you've been that way for pretty much most of the way through? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, actually. It, it's something that I don't have an answer for, I'll be honest, Will. I think I am a little bit of a chameleon, but if I can see opportunity, which has a positive outcome with people who I enjoy their company and I feel I'm going to learn from, I don't see why I would ever say no to that. I think that I would be being quite naive if I did and the people and the opportunities that I'm working with are for me long-term friends and long-term opportunities for me to build the wealth that I want to build for my family and equally it's just nice to see those people who I do care about and I do invest with having that same outcome for them and their families too. So yeah, it's a very difficult one to put to kind of put a pin in the map and say this is the reason why, but that's how I feel about it. If that helps, that, that's fantastic. So uh, Alicia Barlow, you can check her out on LinkedIn, um, and uh, if you're interested in asset-backed businesses, um, we, we might have a podcast episode coming out on on the property aspects of that. Uh, so I'm Will Mallard. This is my property world. Uh, Alicia, thanks again. Oh, thanks for having me, Will. Welcome to My Property World, a light and informative look at all things property. We have designed this series for people involved in property and property finance in the UK market. However, we do take examples from all around the property world. Our aim is for us to make money from property together. Whether that be buying, selling, financing, trading or getting involved in a deal in another way. We do this by informing, entertaining and enjoying ourselves talking property, which gives you a chance to get to know us, what we're up to and to check us out until you're ready to make money together. In the meantime, My Property World is free and fun, so plug in your headphones and enjoy. We would love for you to like, share and comment, so please do on social media. And if you have questions, ideas for topics or deals you would like to explore, we're always looking for guests, so get in touch via the My Property World profile.